الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم We live in a very, very noisy world. And if you were to make a graph, <coughs> if you were to make a graph of the noise that exists in society over the decades, you would find that it's become exponentially louder over time. By noise here, I don't necessarily mean just the physical noises around us, although those are also constant. But even the spiritual noise has become so consistent and so loud that it deafens us constantly. Number one, we speak and we speak, and we speak, and we speak, and that creates lots of noise. Number two, if we manage to stop speaking, then everybody else has something to say, and that creates lots of noise. If we manage to avoid what everyone around us has to say, then we have all of these devices and connections which just constantly embed noise around us. I don't think there's probably a person on the planet who can drive in a car in silence. It's odd for someone to be moving in a car silently. Something has to be on, some sort of speech has to occur, some download of some podcast has to be playing, it's just the world we live in. It's exceedingly noisy. That's just the noise of the ears. Then you have the noise of the fingers and the devices. Every other second, something pops up on a screen. And all of that noise, it embeds itself in the heart. And when it embeds itself in the heart, it creates deep chaos. And we are the ones that suffer. SubhanAllah, I mean, one of the beautiful things about being in the masjid, relatively preserved, not a perfect um, circumstance that we've created because we often bring our, unfortunately, bring our noise into the masjid. 
and we certainly bring our devices into the masjid. But relatively speaking, one of the very beautiful aspects of coming into the masjid is just the silence. Like finally, there's no noise. And it's not just everyone getting to say everything and um, uh, my device is constantly grabbing my attention and um, all the problems of the world are sort of brought on my shoulder. The masjid is a relatively serene place. It's a relatively silent place. It's a relatively quiet place. And it's so important for people to have in their life periods of silence. One of the great blessings that Allah has provided us is sleep. Allah has provided us with sleep. And what, what is the blessing of sleep? Sleep is essentially what? It's an extended period of silence. It, that silence, what it does is it creates a gap in our day, right? I've, I've, I've lived my life throughout the day with all the chaos in the world around me. I'm processing, interacting, engaging. All of these different ideas are in my mind. And then, subhanAllah, one of the great blessings is that I actually have to shut down. It's a big blessing upon us that we have to shut down. And we get the opportunity <clears throat> every night after Isha to essentially shut down. And when we shut down, we go into this period of silence. And the period of silence is exceedingly important because what it does is, as an example in sleep, what it does is it takes all of the crazy noise that came into our minds and it essentially trims and removes and processes and tries to organize the chaos into some semblance of um, normalcy. And the studies show this. Literally, when we sleep, you know, there's waves going back and forth as if they're washing across the brain, removing all of the chaos in our minds. And I've shared this before, but you know, when someone has a deep psychotic episode, for example, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I can just tell you just from my you know, personal interaction with the field, very minimal. But when somebody has a deep psychotic episode, they do two things. In the very, very first treatment in the ER, there's two things. Number one, take away their phone. Because it's too noisy. And number two, have them rest. Let them be in silence. And what happens is when they rest, one of the benefits of that rest is that it reprocesses a lot of the chaos that's in the mind. Not saying it's the only um, solution, and I'm not saying that there isn't anything organic that needs to be treated, but what I am saying is that this noise that we constantly embed ourselves in, this is extremely detrimental. It's ex extremely detrimental to our physical well-being, it's extremely detrimental to our mental well-being, and it's certainly detrimental to our spiritual well-being. And it's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to recognize that there is beauty in silence. You know, when we live in a world where we're surrounded by noise. Now, the people who want to surround us with noise, number one, nafs wants to surround with noise because nafs wants to speak and say what it knows. What do you mean? I, oh, you guys all have opinions? Let me throw my opinion on the table. Nobody in the room even has any 
uh, knowledge of the topic, but everybody wants to throw an opinion on the table. We want to jump in. The louder we say it, the faster we say it, uh, the more eloquently we say it, the more it becomes, you know, some sort of established principle. Noise is coming from the nafs, number one. And noise is coming from the people who want to take our attention from us for their own benefit. Why is a podcaster podcasting? You think he uh, stays up in the middle of the night and prays for humanity? And uh, stays up in the middle of the night wishing that humanity was uh, better? And then, based on that uh, deep, deep desire to, to service humanity, they produce a podcast the next day? Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't have the knowledge. Maybe there's some rare circumstance like that. But the vast majority of these podcasts are all driven by taking our attention in exchange for advertisements, in exchange for their fame, in exchange for their uh, commercial endorsements, in exchange for the ability for advertisers, advertisers to be able to catch our eyes and catch our ears. And what do they do? What, they, they, what do they treat us with? They give us noise, and we give our silence. They give us noise, and we give our silence. So it's very important in this day and age. And you'll see so many problems, so many problems. Mental health, mental well-being, psychiatric issues, physical ailments, certainly spiritual diseases are a consequence of all this noise. Way too much noise. Way too much noise. But it's not even me speaking. It's a, it's a principle of our deen. I'm not just giving you my opinion. You know, fine, maybe I'm, uh, you know, the person speaking can be somebody that's relatively introverted and doesn't like noise, and so they're going to make an argument against noise. Right? They're going to prefer silence, so they're going to make an argument for silence. I'm not speaking for myself. I'm saying what the deen tells us. On one occasion, the Prophet mentioned to Abu Dhar two pieces of advice. Prophet mentioned to Abu Dhar two pieces of advice. He said, Alayka bi husnil khuluk. Upon you is excellent character. And lengthy silence. Extensive silence. Upon you is excellent character and lengthy silence. And then after that, he said, by the one in whose hand is my soul, Prophet is speaking, by the one in whose hand is my soul, there is nothing better than these two. So, I mean, it's worth reflecting on. The deen is teaching us to be silent. And the Prophet is advising his beloved companion in this instance to be extensively silent. And we know, we know that the, one of the descriptions of the gatherings of the Prophet was that his companions would sit around him as if birds were perched on their heads. 
Now, I mean, all of you know, birds are highly sensitive creatures. A bit of movement, a bit of physical noise, a bit of um, uh, agitation, and birds fly away. A little kid says, boo, and a bird will fly. A little kid claps, and a bird will fly. A little kid just approaches the bird with a little bit of movement, and the bird will fly. Yet, it's such an interesting description that a companion is saying that when I saw the gathering of the Prophet it was as if the companions sitting as they were sitting as if they had birds on their head. Meaning what? Meaning it was just utterly silent. There were periods of time where they would sit and they would just be silent. Now, what's even more unique about that circumstance is that that was the time for speech, right? I mean, if you want to make a podcast, that was the time to podcast. If there was something to be said, the Prophet of Allah is sitting, and you would figure that that would be the time to give the most speech in the history of mankind. That would be the time to speak the most. That was the one, that was the one circumstance. I would say that's the exceptional circumstance in all of creation where actually speech should have been the norm. But that wasn't the case. The Prophet and the companions would sit silently, and they would take benefit from that silence. And even when the Prophet would speak, you don't have like volume one of his speech, volume two of his speech, volume three of his speech. You have these short bursts in, 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 in a, on a page of silence, right? on a field of silence, you have rare bursts of short words. And the short words are so powerful that people, the scholars would come after them and write volumes upon volumes concerning those words. But what made those words powerful? What made the words powerful was that they were embedded on, a, on, on the page of silence. Right? If it's embedded on the page of silence, that's what gives words power. All of us have a need to speak. Of course, that's part of human nature. But if someone's speaking all the time, their words have much less value than when somebody speaks at the right time. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between speaking all the time and speaking at the right time. There's lots of power in speech at the right time. And the right time means that you have to wait in a period of silence and plant the words exactly where they belong, which requires silence. And it doesn't only require silence, you know, the, the silence of noise, it requires the silence of spirit. There can't be all this chaos inside of me, and then I'm going to give a very linear, directed message set at the right time, the right time in the right place if there's just chaos inside of me. No, I have to be grounded and silent inside. I have to be connected and able to be able to process my thoughts. I have to act instead of react. Every time somebody says something to me, I can't just jump, jump back and respond with a, a text back to their text. And it's in the context of that silence that I can then very, very surgically place, surgically place my words so that they're like scalpels that remove the tumor while leaving the patient intact. It's surgical. 
And subhanAllah, that's exactly the speech of the Prophet Exactly the speech of the Prophet In the context of that silence, he would say the words that were subhanAllah perfect for the circumstance and perfect for the people that were speaking. And that's why 1400 years later, we still carry those words as gold. 1400 years have passed and you put up any hadith on the screen and you're mesmerized by the, the, the power of the words. SubhanAllah, even today, you have the power of those words. Why? Because it came from silence. It came from the deep connection that the Prophet had with, uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which, by the way, is predicated on silence. And then it's with that connection that these words were shared and these words would hit the heart exactly the way that we just described, like a scalpel, just surgically removing what needs to be removed while maintaining the rest of the person. And subhanAllah, now you have one statement of the Prophet and scholars are writing pages upon pages upon pages of the depth of meaning. You know the stories that uh, the scholars teach us that you know, the Prophet would make one statement and they would take hundred uh, fiqh rulings from one statement. Where do you find such power in words? And where do you find such words that last? And where do you find so many words that have that power and that last? 1,400 years later. I mean, how many people in this room speak Arabic? Like, we're listening to the words of a, a person who spoke Arabic, who lived at a time and a place that maybe we don't necessarily relate to. And despite the fact that they're in another language and they're from another time and they're from another place, there's so much power in these words that they literally you know, carry us through our lives from the day we're born till the day that we die. Of course, it's the Prophet of Allah He has a very, very unique spiritual status, etc. There's power in those words. But remember that they were predicated on silence. And this is a general theme in our deen. We seek silence. Sufyan al-Thawri, Sufyan al-Thawri, he also made an interesting, there's, I mean, we could give so many examples of the Prophet by the way, we could give so many examples of the Prophet encouraging silence. I think, you know, the greatest example would be, I mean, the, the, for me, the best example is just the summation of all of it is just a snapshot, like I, like I shared earlier. I mean, you, you know, sometimes people say, I wish I had a picture of that. Okay, you have a picture of what it was like with the companions in front of the Prophet What is that picture? They sat silently as if birds were on their heads. In a type of silence such that birds were on their head. That's the picture that we have of the circumstance of the Prophet One of the pictures. There's a few, that's one of the pictures. So for me, that's the summation. Because that's what they were learning, that was the circumstance that they created, that was the environment that allowed them to achieve what they achieved. But Sufyan al-Thawri, he makes a statement concerning silence. And it's also very, worth, very much worth reflecting on. He says, Extensive silence is the key to ibadah. Extensive silence is the key to ibadah. Now, why is extensive silence the key to ibadah? Because in ibadah, what are, you, what are we trying to do? When a person comes and stands in salah, a person's making ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're deleting everything around them, 
throwing away the world, reconnecting with what's more important and real for them, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then worshiping him in order to recharge themselves and refocus themselves on what matters. This is ibadah. But if a person comes into prayer and they bring all the noise of the world with them into prayer, and the moment they make takbir, they're standing in prayer, but their head is in 10 places, their heart is in 10 places, their mind is in another 10 places, how will they be able to taste and experience and gain from the depth of the opportunity to connect with Allah? I mean, look, the world is an oyster, and there's so many opportunities. I can go do A, I can go do B, I can go do C, but the greatest of those opportunities, the only real opportunity is to worship Allah. Everything else is just passing. It's going to come and go. It's just a necessary thing that I have to eat, unfortunately. It's a necessary thing that I have to sleep, unfortunately. If there was one reality, it would be to be engaged with the creator of all of the universe in which I exist. That's the purpose of our creation, to worship Allah. Now, if I come into worship, and I'm making takbir, and I got 50 news articles in my head. <clears throat> I got 30 minutes of podcasting in my mind. I've got all the arguments that I'm having with people over text and all the dumb videos I've been watching for the last you know, six hours. What am I going to get from prayer? Except a rehashing of all of the garbage that's in my mind. It's going to be very difficult to attain that serenity that's necessary to laser focus on Allah and to be able to engage with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that's going to raise me and purify me. I mean, it's like, it's like a simple, simple example. Worship is a detail. Worship is a detail. You bring, it's like, it's like you're detailing the heart in worship. There's an opportunity to detail the heart in worship. If the heart's brought with garbage every time, then the detail, detailing is only going to be such that it maybe returns the heart to some base, base, baseline state. But if the heart is brought with relative purity to begin with, then you know the detailing is going to catch even the finest defects and allow that item to return to its perfection. That's what one, one way to look at worship. It's a type of detailing that's occurring. So our, uh, the, the, the goal of our interaction with the world is not to bring in as much noise as possible. We don't get extra points by uh, knowing extra things or by um, listening to so many things or by saying so many words. Yes, we speak, but we speak when, the, when it's necessary. And yes, we listen to speech, but we also listen to speech when it's necessary. And it's in that context that silence becomes a very, very valuable thing. And you can see this, by the way, the world doesn't know it in a way, but they're all seeking silence. They're all seeking silence. The, because the heart clamors for it. People, people, they get so frustrated with the world, right? I mean, they're interacting with the world. They feel so advanced. They got all these devices. They got all these feeds. They got all this podcast. They've got all this speakers and noise around them, physical, spiritual, mental noise around them. Now everybody's clamoring for wellness. People say, I wish I could go on a beach and disappear. When somebody says, I wish I can go on a beach and disappear, they're not saying they want to swim in the water. Most people who go to those resorts don't even swim in the water. They actually just sit on a chair and 
they want it, what they're saying is they want to disappear from all the noise around them because they're just sick and tired of it. Sick and tired. It's, it's because human beings aren't designed this way to take this much noise. They're not, <clears throat> they don't function in this. Uh, this isn't the way by which they function. It's not, the human being needs serenity. It needs peace. It needs silence. I'm not saying that words aren't required. <clears throat> There's also a need for speech. There's also a need for words. There's also a need for noise. There's, the, it's important to be part of a community. It's important to have a meal with, with someone. It's important to be involved. But it needs to be placed appropriately in a background of silence. It can't be the other way. It can't be that we created a mess of noise, and now we're trying to carve away a little bit of silence because it's impossible to do that. It's the other way. It has to be that we created silence, and then we very, very carefully within that embed the noise. And when we embed the noise, we should ask the question, what is this noise that I'm, I'm, I'm allowing into my life? Yes, is it the noise of the Qur'an? I'll welcome that. Is it the noise of the wisdom of the Prophet ﷺ? I will welcome that. Is it the noise of the wisdom of the scholars? I will welcome that. But honestly, even that is to an extent. Even that is to an extent, meaning, again, we know the Prophet ﷺ didn't consistently, constantly speak and speak and speak and speak and speak with the companions. So even the wisdom of the Prophet ﷺ was embedded in silence. I've shared this story before, just moving forward on the time timeline. I've shared this story before. Uh, there was a sheikh in the last maybe 100 years ago or so. There, he had a bunch of students, and the students invited him to come spend some time. And they were extremely excited that he was going to be visiting them. He was coming from a distance. And they were extremely excited that he was going to come and visit them. So they created a gathering. They obviously invited people. They all sat. Eventually the sheikh came. And the sheikh sat. They were sitting in a gathering in a circle. The sheikh sat and just sat and sat and sat and sat and didn't say a word. Didn't say one word. So at the end of the time, the sheikh stood up. And the students were sitting and they were in shock. He said, you, you didn't say anything. Sheikh, you didn't say anything. So he responded, he said, if you didn't benefit from my silence, you won't be able to benefit from my words. If you didn't benefit from my silence, you won't be able to benefit from my words. It, it would be like, the example would be like, you've got soil. So, I mean, it's planting season. You know that when you plant something. You have to plant, and they tell you, you can't, you can't just plant all the flowers in one little tight space. You have to create space between them. Right? This, you have to put six inches or eight inches or whatever it is. I don't do this, but so many inches between each of the seedlings. Why? Because each of those seedlings needs its own space to grow. So if you just think of the, the heart and, as a soil, which you know, so many times before I've spoken about this as an analogy, but if you think of the heart as a soil, you can't just throw every piece of noise at it and just try to plant every single piece of noise within this soil. It's going even the words will suffocate themselves, just like two a whole bunch of beautiful plants tightly planted will actually kill one another because there's no space. Even the wisdom that we gain, you know, if you look historically. 
even at the time of the earliest companions, the scholars would give advice once a week. They felt that even that was excessive sometimes. Maybe advice twice a week. Not like hours and hours of advice every single day. Because advice needs to be planted in a backdrop of silence. It has its time. It has, it, it has its place. When, it, when it's treated that way, it's, it's, uh, it, it takes value. And when it takes value, it creates change. But no, I mean, we move from noise to noise to noise to noise. And we even shorten the periods of silence that are naturally embedded in our own physiology. There's like a benefit to sleeping six hours. The benefit of sleeping six hours is that six hours of silence, number one. Number two, when you wake up, it's relatively silent. And then we have to ramp up the noise. And it's interesting, you know, what they teach in wellness nowadays, which is already embedded in our dean, honestly. But they teach in wellness nowadays that one of the great ways to increase productivity is for the first hour and a half after a person wakes up to have no noise. Now, what are, what are they essentially saying? They're saying that one of they're, they're, I'm, I'm rephrasing it from an Islamic perspective. Essentially, what they're saying is there's so much noise in a person's day that they can't get anything done. There's so much noise. There's so many meetings. There's so many emails. There's so many distractions. Even when a person's on a computer, they open up CNN, then they open up ESPN, then they open up this, then they open up that. They're all over the place. Nobody can even think straight anymore. But the one time when actually a person is the most silent is when they wake up. Not because they intended to be silent, but because sleep forced a pause and silenced all the noise. Because that's the nature by which Allah has created sleep. So when a person wakes up, they say that, these productivity experts nowadays, they say that for the first hour and a half, person should not touch their device, should not touch their email, should not touch even their computer. They should choose one task that's mo most important to them, and they should do that every day for a quarter or a month or half a year, whatever it might be, and only do that task. So for example, you decide, just giving you a simple example, you decide for the month of June that the most important thing for me is to measure, is to, is to memorize, or at least become familiar with the last 10 surahs of the Qur'an. Just as an example. So then the advice would be that when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that a person should do, after, of course, prayer, will do, etc. The first thing that a person should do is just focus on those 10 surahs of the Qur'an doing nothing else. No phone, no watch, no computer, nothing. And just make that dedicated time for this one task. And okay, if you go to sleep after Fajr, then when you wake up again uh, at that time. And now, the example that they're giving, they're giving this example in the case of a company because they have all this data which shows that the most productive time for any person in a company is the first two hours in the morning. And then after that, it just becomes a mess. Basically, people achieve what they're going to achieve in the first two hours of the day because of the chaos of the world in which we exist. So, subhanAllah, I mean, even the world is appreciating this, the importance of silence. By the way, if, if that's the premise, 
If that's the premise that in the context of all of this silence, we're unable to even achieve the basic goals that we set out for ourselves, then wouldn't, wouldn't the argument be to, in, to increase the silence rather than uh, you know, surrender the, the rest of the day? I mean, it's a jeep to me that you want to surrender the rest of the day. Why not increase the silence? And then I would actually say another thing would be to embed within the day a second period of silence, which, by the way, is called the sunnah. And the Prophet was known to take a nap in the middle of the day. What does the nap do? It resets the person, creates a new layer of silence, allows them to wake again and be fresh again for another set of activities that are important for the second half of the day. So, again, just a simple summary for today. There is lots and lots of noise in the world in which we live. And we should not take for granted that this noise is something that is detrimental, meaning we should appreciate that this is detrimental. It's very detrimental. It's detrimental to our physical health. It's detrimental to, for sure, for sure, it's detrimental to our mental health. It's detrimental to our spiritual health. So it's important to ask the question, where is the noise coming from in my life? Where is the noise coming from? Is the noise coming from uh, my phone, which very high probability that it's just creating noise upon noise upon noise, which is never ending in our lives, and it's distracting us and t taking us away from the things that matter? Is the noise coming from my tongue? Is the noise coming from all the things I'm typing with my fingers? Is the noise coming from all the speech that I've surrounded myself with? Is the noise coming from all the chaos that I embed myself, I let embed in my mind from Netflix and YouTube? And I mean, subhanAllah, if we had a balance. Now, let me, let me just end with this. My teacher used to say that the day of judgment will be very complicated. The day of judgment will be very complicated. But if anybody wants to know their circumstance on the day of judgment, then the way to imagine that is to just imagine that there was an empty glass and someone took your heart and squeezed it. And everything in your heart could come out in that glass. So what would come from that glass? Would it be filth and envy and uh, all this garbage that people see on the screens and all of the noise of the world around us and the news and all of this stuff that doesn't pertain to us? Or would it be that the dhikr of Allah, the love of Allah, <clears throat> the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the, the Qur'an, these are the types of things that would come out of our heart. It's like a very simple litmus test to see what's going on in our lives. Because all the noise eventually embeds in this one place. This is the soil. This is where the battle lies, at the heart. Everything that's happening in the mind is embedding in the heart. What's going in the ears is embedding in the heart. What's, a, what's, what's on our phones is embedding in the heart. And then the heart is what then reflects the circumstance that we find ourselves in. When we find ourselves you know, desiring the whole world and ready to chase it, it's a reflection of what's in the heart. And when we find ourselves lazy towards prayer and wanting to avoid it, then it's a reflection also of what's in the heart. So the heart is where the battle lies and the entry points to the heart are all of the noise that's in the world around us. And I'm telling you, mark my words, I won't be here 50 years from now, mark my words, the world wants to take every single bit of silence and fill it with noise. You know, first it was this, and everybody's head was bowed at like in Rukur to their phones. Then the next thing, they put these little things in our ears, 
And now it's like every second you can fill it with noise. Then they attach these things to our wrist, and now every time it's sending us messages and sending us noise. And now they're going to put these gl glasses on us. That's the next thing. They're going to put these glasses on us, and it's just going to be sending noise to us constantly. That's what this, that they're trying to take every space. This is where the battle is, in one way. Spiritually, this is where the battle is. They want to fill every single space with all the noise that they can because it causes you to buy their products and it opens up, it gives them a channel to be able to give you the advice that's so valuable, that they deem to be valuable, which they, of course, embed with social media garbage and commercialism. I mean, that's the question. Like, uh, Allah has given us all of these faculties, how are we going to use them? If I'm constantly here, and I'm constantly here, and I'm constantly here, then how am I going to be looking at the creation around me and being able to appreciate the greatness of Allah, the signs of Allah, the magnificence of Allah, the glory of Allah, and all the things that the Quran is calling me towards? Too much noise. Too much noise. And it's upon layer upon layer of noise is just being built upon humanity, and it's going to just make everybody dysfunctional. You see it. You see it today. And it's just it's rapidly moving. Like I said, just take a graph of the noise that exists in society, and you'll see that if you start, go by century, and you just see that it exponentially increases. And it doesn't bring exponential happiness with it. It brings lots and lots of misery. Sure, there's some benefits here and there, but very, very limited in the context of all of the harm. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to create silence in our hearts and in our minds and the environments that surround us. May he make us amongst those who engage in extensive silence. May he make it the key to our ibadah and may he make it amongst our deeds on our scales on the day of judgment. Wa akhirat wa'ana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.